everyone. Uh, so Vector Podcast here. Uh, today I have Greg Cogan, um, who is in charge of marketing. Um, he works for Pinecone. So today we will dive into Pinecone and uh, maybe Greg will give us some highlights as well. Hi, Greg. Hey, Dimitri. Thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for joining. Uh, so I was thinking maybe you can introduce yourself to our audience because actually I personally was quite impressed that you are so technical and even though you're in charge of marketing, you're like, your lingo is so technical. So can you, do you have some technical background? Yeah, I actually have a degree in, in naval architecture. It's, a, it's an engineering degree and uh, that was my career for three years. Um, and I did systems engineering and uh, mechanical engineering, electrical and so on. While I was doing that, I also was moonlighting as a web developer and taught myself uh, PHP and, and things like that and reading about startups and eventually became clear that I, I should make my day jobs related to startups. And so I left my engineering uh, career and went to work with startups with, uh, in marketing and I fell in love with it. That was about nine years ago. And I've been working with, uh, for the past eight years, I was consulting and advising uh, technical startups on marketing. Um, and I, I loved it because I, I was able to use my engineering thinking and get along well with uh, technical founders. And the, uh, like the coding foundation I had allowed me to get a grasp for, for what it is the products do. Um, and um, last year I joined Pinecone as the VP of marketing and the engineering background certainly helps. We, ha we have a technical product, uh, technical users, and really everyone at the company has a very technical background. Even our director of product has a PhD in um, electrical engineering, just to give you a, a sense. Yeah, so, wow, that's impressive. Uh, yeah, that's uh, like you mentioned PHP, actually, this was one of the first languages I, code, I learned to code in, um, beside Perl, but yeah, these days, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm always, um, I slowed down before, before I tell people I learned PHP, because I know there's a, a bit of a stigma with it. It was like messy and it's like, you know, not as uh, pristine or yeah, as fancy as something else, but um they got the job job done like when, with with that foundation it, a lot of other things made a lot more sense yeah absolutely yeah i mean i also enjoyed actually like it was one of the first jobs i got was in php so i built like a forum and every class in 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 the code was uh, starting with oops and i was asking the lead engineer does it mean oop like object oriented programming and he said no it just means oops i'm not technical so he wasn't technical enough to know what is oop <laughs> but anyway <laughs> that was kind of funny um yeah, yeah that's cool so basically like you have the technical background, you also know how to explain things. I think it's very important in our profession at large. And uh, it sounds like you've been, you've been advancing into this topic more and more to the level of becoming, you know, CMO or like VP of marketing actually to be precise, right? Yeah, um, yeah that's awesome. So tell me more a bit, uh, a bit more about Pinecone, like what, what are you guys building? And um, yeah, and I know that you've recently had a major upgrade of Pinecone, maybe if you wish, you could highlight some of the improvements you guys made. 
Sure. So we're building a vector database that makes it very easy to deploy, to build and deploy vector search into production applications. Um, this is especially useful for semantic search and recommendation systems. Um, there are, we, we saw, I should say the founders saw that um, there's several ways of doing this to try and emulate the big companies like Facebook, Google, Microsoft, and Spotify. Uh, they all involved a lot of engineering work and a lot of infrastructure work and maintenance to actually make it run in production, whether you're a small startup and have better things to focus on or uh, a big tech company and also have better things to focus on, especially when supporting your uh, search and recommender systems would involve like a big team of engineers. Um, so we recently announced um, Pinecone 2.0, and that's that's a major release that gets us closer to um, helping companies deploy this in production. So one of the biggest things we've heard from users is that to get this in production, they need to emulate some of their traditional search features they had before that they're trying to replace. Um, and, and that was specifically filtering. They wanted to have some control over the uh, nearest neighbor search results that they were getting through Pinecone. Another thing was um, cost. Since typically vector search, uh, nearest neighbor searches are done in memory uh, companies with millions and billions of items, which are the types of companies that benefit most from Pinecone, uh, we're finding it prohibitively expensive to, to do vector search, not just on Pinecone, but anywhere. And so um, for them, the barrier to getting it to getting it into production wasn't lack of engineering teams. It was uh, like at just the astronomical cost projections. And so for that, we are releasing hybrid storage, which stores part of the, uh, which basically stores some data on disk and, and a smaller amount of data in memory, uh, which reduces costs up to 10x, reduces infrastructure costs. And we're passing that along to users. So it's gonna reduce, they don't manage the infrastructure, but their costs are gonna go down as well. And there's some other things like um, SOC 2 compliance, um, <laughs> Uh, a totally new REST API and Python client um, and uh, uh, console and a bunch of yeah. other things as well. So, uh, yeah. and, and there's even more I can't announce just yet, but um, we're, uh, our engineering team is growing and our, our development velocity is picking up as well. So we're gonna have lots of new things to share very soon. Yeah, that's fantastic. Can't wait. Um, and, and congrats on the on the 2.0 uh, release. Um, by the way, I just noticed your, your t-shirt uh, says love thy nearest neighbor. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is so relevant to this uh, to this discussion uh, and in yeah. general in life. We we have lots more of these. Uh, anyone can send me an email, Greg at pinecone.io, and I'll I'll get you a form to fill out to to get one. Oh yeah! Oh, thank oh, thanks, thanks, Greg. I'll I'll gladly wear it. Looks okay. really cool. Um, so yeah, I mean that 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 covers the value prop behind your product. So I mean, the key element for me is also that, as you said, you are reducing cost, and you know, like you provide fully managed 
you know, solution to better search. So teams don't have to kind of like run around, figure out some low level things and just get to business. That's great. Um, so the next thing I wanted to ask you, like more like on the lines of how, you know, there are different ways of implementing vector search, right? And there are different algorithms. There is NN benchmarks. There will be big NN benchmarks soon as well. Um, that competition is ongoing for our listeners. I'll share the link as well. Um, but what ways did you kind of consider to implement your tech? I know some parts of it are proprietary, so maybe you cannot share too much detail, but maybe you can share some things, give us a clue how you do things on kind of like algorithmic side and also like kind of like speak to the product at large. Like, you know, you mentioned SOC2 compliance, so it was very uh, important for your customers, right? Um, so that also is kind of included in the how part. Yeah, I'll, I'll be... Uh... A little lighter on the technical side because I would rather I, I'd rather point you to our docs and point people to our docs and, and some of the articles and examples we have um, than say something that's imprecise from a technical standpoint. I'll say generally that um, there are um, there's sort of three layers. We see three layers in the inside a vector search solution or a vector database. The lowest layer is the, the nearest neighbor search algorithm, like Annoy or HNSW. Um, then there's a, an index library, which contains those uh, algorithms, and that's like face. Um, and then there's a shell around that, which we're calling a vector database that provides uh, things like live index updates and um, CRUD operations uh, on vectors and filtering and metadata storage and things like that. So um, for the index, we Pinecone does use uh, face for exact search. You can choose if, if, uh, what sort of engine you're running uh, and a proprietary index for approximate search, which is obviously the bulk of um, use cases for us. Um, and we, we thought a lot about um, performance uh, comparisons, um, maybe even open sourcing that proprietary index so we can, so we can uh, be in included in ANN benchmark. While we were thinking about that, we, we learned from users that actually like eking out slightly more, slightly lower latencies or slightly higher recall from the index was not really what they were after. They were, that's not where they were stuck. They were stuck on downstream things like um, horizontal scaling and adding features to, to an index, um, setting up the infrastructure and managing it. And so, since learning that and validating that, we've, we've focused much more on those things um, and stayed with a proprietary index for the for approximate search. Um, and, and sure enough, we find that uh, even people who ask a lot about this after they sign up and start using it, they, you know, they solve their use case and they don't ask us about it again after that from some other search or recommendation system to vector search and you're just looking for an easy way to run it in production. So that's the use case, just 
implement vector search in production. Or a lot of people come to us from, from like an application uh, side, which is they, they don't even know they, they want to use vector search, but they know they want to replace their semantic, uh, their keyword search with semantic search. Or they want to implement um, image similarity search that'll work on uh, fuzzy matches. Or they want to do um, anomaly detection. Uh, so, uh, and or a classification and things like that. It, it really is, it has as many applications as search, information retrieval in general. But a lot of people come to us for vector, uh, excuse me, for semantic search. Um, so they have their uh, embedding models like BERT um, or something like that. And they got it working in the lab. The data science team got semantic search working using embeddings. Now they're like, okay, engineering team or ML engineering team, how do we get this in our product? How do we make this? How do we keep latency below 200 milliseconds? Um, how, how do we add filtering to this to give users control? Um, and the ML, ML engineering team is then goes out and finds like, oh, we can do this with, um, something like Pinecone. So those are, those are the typical use cases. I would say semantic search, the most common, uh, or somebody just coming because they're looking for vector search and uh, regardless of what it's for. Yeah, yeah. And from, from, our, from our perspective for Pinecone, we don't care what your data is. Like if it's in an, in an embedding format, we'll, you can index it and then you search through it. Um, yeah, any it works with any model, any any you know initial data, and um, because we have a REST API, you can call it from anywhere. So you can use it in a no notebook, you can use it in a backend application. Um, uh, yeah, we're seeing a lot of interesting use cases. Yeah, sounds great. Sounds like a lot actually of use cases that you mentioned. I mean, obviously it's search, but then beyond search, it could also be like data science that I want to run. You know, if you take FICE, for instance, you know, many data science teams, they run like large scale experiments using the library, but like, obviously when that's the data science part, that's the exploration part. But the moment you want to put this out to prod, you'll face a bunch of kind of like low level engineering concerns. Like, okay, how do I do this? How do I do that? Like, and reinventing the wheel is never fun. Well, sometimes it's fun if it's kind of like paid for, <laughs> but if you don't have time, you kind of like want to move faster, then obviously you will want to use an existing solution for that. Yeah. Yeah. And we find that, you know, for, for the data science team, they don't, it's not their issue. Um, they need to develop the model and, and uh, prove that the method uh, works. It becomes an engineering team's issue uh, or the ML engineering team's issue. And yeah, they're often um, not exactly lacking things to do. So yeah. some organizations are all about like focusing on the core product and trying to use managed services wherever possible. Um, others, like to develop things in-house and prefer to take uh, open source as much as possible. So I think it depends on your, you know, how you prioritize your focus and what kind of, uh, you know, what's your engineering culture at the company. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, and sounds like you also address the elements of like SOC2, and I believe you also will have GDPR uh, covered at some point or already covered. Yeah, we're, so we're, we say we're G GDPR friendly, which means there's no, there's no official certification you can get for being GDPR. You can just be um, following um, the regulations and, and able to um, you know, make the proper disclosures and then able to act on um, uh, requests for deletion and things like that. Um, yeah, the, and these are the types of things like the security aspects. It's another thing that a data science team might not foresee when they're developing like a vector search solutions to some application. But when it goes to engineering and when you start talking about getting it into production, depending on the company you're in, yeah, you start uh, you know, all these things come up. Does it meet our security? Does it pass our security review? Um, does it pass our reliability requirements? Um, who's going to be on call if this thing goes down? Like all these things come up and we, we worry about those things so that the users don't have to. Yeah, that's a big benefit like to the users, again, to focus on what matters um, yeah. to them. And by the way, I don't want to, just so this doesn't come off as like promotional, uh, anyone listening to this can treat this as just a heads up about what you should think about if you want to uh, get vector search in your production, even if you're using um, some other solution, like these are things you should plan for um, and start thinking about and, and uh, you know, making, uh, leaving time to do. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to be caught by surprise in those, in those items for sure. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Um, by the way, I remember that you guys also made a bunch of blog posts on like Vice and uh, LSH. And I mean, I really liked the way you did it. You know, it's almost look like, looks like a comic book. You know, <laughs> you know, get 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 uh, deep with with these things. Um, and I think you also shared the source code, um, like some notebooks. Is that right? Is that yeah we 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 publish um guides and articles on vector search on on face on uh, semantic search uh different techniques and things like that a lot of them are done by the very talented uh james briggs i should give him a shout out we have a new one today about um the index composite indexes and and uh, index factory in mm -hmm. in face um, and we share code snippets and we have example notebooks for all of them. And yeah, we're, we're very happy to see people like them. Um, even people who are not familiar with vector search will see it and it piques their interest because, you know, engineers like to see how things work and learn new things. And that's our goal. It's, uh, some of them have almost nothing to do with Pinecone. Um, but we want more people to learn about vector search to um, realize that they can use vector search to replace their, uh, to improve their current applications. And um, if we succeed in that, I think it'll certainly help us, but really everyone in the, in the space. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Those blogs like are a gem, you know, people are reading, citing and kind of discussing on Slacks and things like that. So it's really cool. So thanks for doing that. Um, and yeah, it sounds like you guys also kind of willing to share your knowledge with the community, even like beyond um, kind of 
sheer um, you know customer interaction and so on, right? So that's that's awesome. Um, yeah, I think we are moving slowly to the third uh, section of our podcast, which is why. And I think I know it's a little bit more philosophical kind of stance at what you do, and and kind of like how you do it. I don't know if, if you've been reflecting on your journey. I know you said you joined like last year, uh, joined Pinecon last year. Um, but I guess I'll start off by just asking you what motivates you to be part of vector search development and this community at large. So me personally, I, um, I've worked with 40, 40 startups when I was consulting over 40 startups. And um, when I met Ido, the founder of Pinecone, uh, and learned about the product and about the space, I saw a familiar pattern which caught my attention. Um, that familiar pattern was from 2015, six years ago now, almost seven, when I started working with, a, at the time, very small company called Domino Data Lab, which uh, it's, a, it's an MLOps platform. At the time, we called it a data science platform. It's used by over 20% uh, or the Fortune 500 companies. At the time, it was a small team and it was a product for data scientists, but like nobody knew exactly what is a data scientist. Few people called themselves that, even if they were doing data science work. Um, a lot of work, data science work was done on just people's laptops. Uh, and there's no, it, it was a very young, um, like area, let's say, uh, not, not quite mature. There's no tooling for it and so on. And over time, uh, over a few years, it became, of course, data science became uh, uh, a core function in many companies, like just like engineering and marketing and, and uh, customer support. Um, and as that happened, like having the right tooling for that function and kind of maturing the capabilities and making sure it's everything data science is run, can run in production securely and uh, reliably and things like that became more important. And of course, the companies that were uh, solving those things were, were and growing with that demand. And uh, so I wanted to be a part of that journey, that kind of journey again. Um, and again, I saw in Pinecone, I saw a product that is pretty early in the space. You know, we came up with a vector database concept and we had to spend a lot of time explaining to people what that means. They weren't getting it. Um, on the user side, we see many, many engineers doing ML engineering work who don't yet call themselves ML engineers. They're still titled as software engineers or uh, they might be data scientists, but they're now working on like production applications. Um, and also we see that um, companies are struggling as they, as they want to take vector search out of the lab and into production, production applications, they're running up against the same challenges like the technology they, have, they had available wasn't quite um, built for that, uh, for, for huge scale and for like secure and uh, reliable um, environments. And um, yeah, that's exciting to be, to be in an emerging category like that and um, solve a real need and see, watch the need 
grow. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's my personal, you know, that's what motivates me, and that's why. Uh, so I'm excited to be here. And if you want to go even even on a more philosophical level, like um, I, uh, it's really rewarding to me to help grow the kinds of technologies that are powering our like software infrastructure, which which is which everything in this world runs on today. And the fact that it's kind of behind the scenes and under the hood that, you know, most consumers and most people don't know that their Facebook uh, feed is powered by uh, similarity search or that their Google search is powered by similarity search. Um, but it, even without them knowing it affects them tremendously. And I feel like we have a, anyone working on these kinds of systems has a, has a really outsized impact on the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, sounds so deep. I mean, your connection to it and, and in general, like it sounds like you are excited to be at the leading edge of tech, right? So kind of yeah. like building the next thing it's, I think it's always exciting. Of course, it's also in many ways, um, kind of, um, well, I don't want to use the word dangerous. I want to use the word kind of like intense and, you know, like sleepless nights and vault type of thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, for sure. We don't know how the future will play out. We have our hopes and, and we're making our bets, but um, uh, it's exciting to try it and it, that's, it motivates us. Um, yeah, we're not looking for safe uh, for safety here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but on that front, like on the future, a little bit touching on the future of this market, even though it's emerging, um, you know, and it's still unfolding in many ways, and there are so many players um, already. Uh, but I'm just thinking, like, what do you think, um, uh, kind of, what strategic items are missing on the market right now? You know, when you think about not the data science part. I think that data science is developed quite well. We have a lot of competing, you know, algorithms and frameworks, um, but like more like on the business side, right? And, and maybe that's in line with like how users understand the systems. Maybe they don't understand enough, like, or like what, what items are missing and maybe you're working on that. Maybe you're willing to share, maybe not, but maybe something along those lines that we can discuss. Yeah, I think you actually, you, you, you made the right point, which is for a certain, for a certain audience, um, there's not, I mean, there's still more to be done for a very technical audience that's familiar with the vector search, but they have a lot of tools in front of them and, and um, by now, whatever extra features they needed, they've, they've hopefully figured out it's everyone else who doesn't yet understand this and doesn't quite see how it applies to their applications um, and for whom it's not clear what, you know, how to choose an algorithm, how to tune it. Um, that's, I think the future is in educating those people and those companies and, and bringing this 
capability to them. And that means just helping them understand what it is, but it also means making the products more accessible to them, like um, uh, taking care of some of the technical details so that they can just focus on uh, uh, yeah, their, their business side of things and their application. And there are many, many companies out there that can use vector search, but just haven't heard of it, don't realize it. And um, I think the, fu the future is in, is in reaching those people. Um, I think even looking beyond vector search and just uh, vector embeddings in general, I think as more, as more and more companies adopt machine learning and learn about NLP and, and continue hiring for data scientists and now machine learning engineers, which who, by the way, are growing at a faster pace than uh, data scientists. Um, the, the number of people with machine learning engineer titles on LinkedIn grew by something like 16% uh, in Q2 of this year, wow. which is when I last uh, checked this, whereas data scientists grew by, I don't remember exactly, but single digits. Mm -hmm. So, and obviously not all those ML engineers are working on vector search, um, but they will have more and more vector embedding data that they're trying to wrangle, um, that they want to maintain and um, analyze and in some cases search through, but also maybe just uh, feed uh, into other models and so on. And so uh, in the past five years, we, we saw um, introduction of data warehouses and data lakes and really like uh, companies realizing that they need to centralize their, all their data uh, for their data science teams and analysts and so on. We, we believe the same will, companies will need the same thing for vector embeddings. Um, so that they have a one database for all their vectorized data that can feed models, that can feed applications, feed um, training and analysis and so on. So yeah, that might be a few years out and we'll see if that um, ever happens, but that's, those are the kinds of things we're thinking about often. Um, yeah. Beyond vector search, how do we get, how do we help people get more use out of there? Yeah, I mean, so I guess it goes along the lines also of producing docs and, you know, kind of documentation and kind of explaining and source code explaining things, right? How can I, you know, hit the road running and kind of, you know, doing things with my, because I don't want to focus on like, you know, nitty gritty of the vector search itself maybe, but actually what I really want is to achieve like, you know, my goal, right? You know, let's say create a music search service or something like that, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's um, that's, that's a trap a lot of people and companies fall into. They, they, they love the technology. They love, you know, they're very proud of, of yeah, building something unique and as you should be. But you have to remember that the people you're serving are just trying to solve some, some business problem. Um, some of them, the early adopters, they'll, they might be very curious about how, how it works under the hood and they might wanna 
have the ability to pull some levers and turn some knobs. Um, but the vast majority of people just want uh, you know, to implement machine learning into their applications to create a smarter search function, to increase user engagement, um, things like that. Yeah, yeah, and I think that was also one recent article. Um, I will, I will also link it in the in the notes, um, explaining that you can apply vector search to solve the zero heat problem in e-commerce, and and that's how you can save or actually earn money, right? So save the user experience in that sense. Um, yeah, so it sounds like more and more use cases are coming up and you guys are at the forefront of actually hearing what are the use cases, right? And kind of um, hopefully you'll be sharing some of those with the, with the audience uh, at large and uh, something we will learn from you guys. Yeah, I've, uh, we're, we're, still, we're, still, we're still constantly surprised by what people want to do with vector search. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we want to make the product available to, um, to as many people as possible to see what they come up with. Um, I will say though, we're also surprised in a way by how many people want to just do vector search on text data, which seems like such a simple thing to us maybe. Uh, but it gets back to this point that not everyone is, you know, this far along as as, um, as people in the vector search community. Um, so we got to bring we got to bring more people with us and and help them see that once they're done with a semantic search use case, there's actually a lot more they can do with it. Yeah. Tool play around with it. Yeah, I think it's something that probably needs a bit of uh, kind of discovery for everyone, but also sort of like blogging more about that and sharing more about that, that no, it's not only text, it's actually everything that is encodable as a vector, right? And it could be dense, it could be sparse, it could be whatever you have there, as long as it's a vector, then you can send it in, index and search, and then you need to also choose the metric function, right? We didn't talk about it, but I know you guys support like uh, three major distances like Euclidean and uh, uh, dot product and cosine. Yeah. So, I mean, these are like more or less the standards across many, you know, data science applications, but I'm sure there is somebody somewhere sitting in their garage inventing a new metric and probably you will want to kind of provide a plugin architecture for, for such cases as well. Right. Um, yeah, well, we have our own people in, in, uh, figurative garages. Uh, working on stuff as well. Um, so, but also, you know, to go back to the previous thing, the, the, the vector database that surrounds the engine as well, um, which might just look like more traditional, like database features, uh, rather than, and, and simply applied to vector search rather than some breakthrough algorithms or, or uh, things like that. Although, yeah, you know, the, the filtering that we introduced with Pinecone 2.0 is um, you know, doing single stage filtering on, on a vector index was, um, let's say, let's, let's say that took a lot of late nights in the, in the garage. Yeah, yeah, sounds exciting. It sounds like what your customers will benefit from, right, almost immediately. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, I was thinking like, 
do you want to add anything more on Pinecone or like, for instance, if somebody wants to try it out today, what, what's the process looks like, or should they just shoot you an email? Yeah. Well, if they want to shoot me an email, uh, they're welcome to do that. If they want a, a t-shirt, send me an email, greg at pinecone.io. Um, but actually we want to make it uh, very easy for people to start and experiment with. And so you can go to pinecone.io slash start and create a free account. And for small, small workloads, it's actually uh, free to use. You get one pod, which is enough for, definitely enough for experimenting. And, and if you have a small workload, it's enough for your production use case. Uh, that's the, the easiest and fastest way to, to sign up. You don't have to talk to anyone. Um, if you need uh, custom uh, deployment configurations like uh, certain availability zones or um, anything else, uh, you can send me an email or you can use a contact form on our site and we'll get you set up. And it's almost as quick. We just have to um, uh, set up some configurations, but uh, we want to help you get to production. And that means uh, not standing in your way. So that's the best way to do it. Go to pinecone.io slash start. Awesome. And we'll make sure to link that in the notes as well. And, and you said pod, you mean Kubernetes, right? Kubernetes pod. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we didn't touch on this in, in, in this, uh, in this uh, episode, but obviously you guys are scaling with Kubernetes. So you're also modern on that side as well. Oh, yeah. We, we you know, I, I should have mentioned this when you asked about the inner workings, but yeah, we're using um, Kubernetes to... Um, to make the whole service horizontally scalable. Um, and of course, it's all managed on our side, so you don't have to know anything about containers or Kubernetes or, or worry about any of it. Um, but uh, we use Kafka as a, for streaming to support streaming um, index updates um, or batch, batch updates. Um, there are load balancers, there are API gateways, there are just a bunch of different, um, there's a key, key value store under the hood. Um, if you want to see the architecture, you can go to our, our docs and learn a, a bit more about it. But again, you don't have to know anything about it. And that's the point. We, we make it a, you just make your API calls and, and uh, get your results and do something with those results. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. And, and by the way, are you planning to kind of um, at some point maybe open source or actually implement some things uh, for the public to send the data in? Or do you think it's not a problem at all? You know, kind of some kind of connector code, some kind of gluing code to the Pinecone on the side of integration, right? So I guess obviously clients will still look at how do they plug in Pinecone in the right part of the architecture. Um, yeah, we're thinking a lot about that. Um, we... We're, we're looking at what are the most common data sources? Uh, like what, what, do the, what does typical um, usage look like? And what's the trickiest part for people? And um, we are thinking about how to uh, make, make the trickiest part, parts easiest for as many people as possible. So can't say much more than that, but um, certainly we'll have some common use cases covered soon. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, that's so important. I mean, 
a lot of things like in machine learning, you know, that like 80% goes to data collection and cleaning. And then in the end, you plug in some model and oh, I solved the task, right? And the same yeah. kind of goes to the trying databases or, you know, software, like, okay, how do I plug this in? And days go by and you are still figuring things out. So, so I think that's the, uh, that's something to address. And I guess you, you guys are doing that, right? Yeah. Yeah. We definitely, um, and, and also a lot of people, uh, you know, we expect people to keep their data warehouse and um, their document store, you know, because we are, we are your vector database. We're not your blob storage or document storage. So um, a lot of people use Pinecone alongside their data warehouse um, or some other database. And um, the easier and more seamless the connections are between the two, the easier it is to get factor search into production. So that's what we are thinking about. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks. And yeah, I think we can wrap up. Like I really enjoyed talking to you, Greg. I mean, your, your t-shirt is, is the best. I, I Once I get it, I will wear it as well. And <laughs> I'll be compatible with vector search. Uh, so thanks so much for your thoughts. I mean, this was super deep. And I mean, uh, also you shared some of your personal kind of, um, you know, attitude and aspirations in this area. It's still emerging, but I mean, it's great to see you guys at the forefront of it. And uh, I hope to hear more. And just last question, where our listeners can follow you or maybe like Twitter or LinkedIn, where are you kind of publicly available? So for Pinecone, you, on, on, uh, um, we publish a lot of things on our website. So uh, you can go to pinecone.io and at the, at the bottom, you can subscribe for email updates and you get, you know, all these face articles and things like that you heard about. You can, you'll get them in your inbox. On Twitter, we're at pinecone underscore IO. Uh, on LinkedIn, we also have a big following there. Me personally, I'm uh, at Grigori underscore Kogan. Uh, Grigori is G-R-I-G-O-R-I-Y underscore K-O-G-A-N. Um, but a lot of things I post there are Pinecone related because that's, a, that's what I think about a lot these days. Um, and I'll also add that um, uh, big credit to you for also uh, leading the way with, with doing a podcast like this. Um, yeah, it's, it's exciting to see more people learn about this, about vector search and um, start thinking about it and, and implementing it. And um, a lot of it is thanks to uh, like evangelists like you who put in the work to do that. So thanks uh -huh. to you. Glad to hear that, Greg. Thanks so much. And actually, I must say that I'm educating myself equally on this journey. So uh, hopefully, um, as part of this journey, you know, the listeners and the readers can can educate as well. So yeah. in the end, you know, value increases by doing these things. So that's that's what drives me here. So thanks so much for joining the show. Um, yeah, and I hope we can record another one at some time down the down the road yeah that would be awesome awesome thanks greg bye bye